Today is a um, very liturgical day, and there's a name for this high holy day. It's called Low Attended Sunday, right? The Sunday after Easter. But alas, zero people in person. It's kind of hard to beat. So I give thanks for technology that connects us together throughout these strange days of ours. This Sunday actually does have a name. It's called Holy Humor Sunday or Hilarity Sunday because in the early Greek church, as I understand, it was decided that the Sunday after Easter would be filled with laughter and with celebration because the devil still had not won and Jesus remains resurrected. And so preachers would play pranks on each other and I'm seeing there's no associate minister around, so I'm wondering what's going on right now, this very moment. Uh, families would gather in parks and have picnics. That was a prominent part of Holy Humor Sunday. And so I decided that uh, for the next 15 minutes, I would tell dad jokes. But Susan said, for the love of God, please don't. So you're all spared from that. But I do love sharing some of my favorite children's minutes, one of which is the story of a pastor who was seated down here and was asking the children if they knew what Easter was all about. And, and one child said, yeah, Easter's when the whole family comes together and barbecues and we shoot, we shoot off fireworks and wave the red, white, and blue. And the pastor said, no, 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 no. That's, that's Independence Day. That's, that's the 4th of July, right? Another child piped up, well, that's, that's when Santa Claus comes down the chimney and we get presents. No, 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 that's, that's Christmas. And finally, this one child raised her hand pastor was very worried about what might come out of her mouth next. And she said, Easter is when Jesus rose from the dead and came out of the tomb. And the pastor said, that's exactly right. The child said, and then he sees his shadow and goes back into the tomb and there's six more weeks of winter, right? <laughs> right? I'm starting to wonder as chilly as things are outside right now on this Holy Humor Sunday. Have fun with Easter, friends. Laugh and celebrate as hard as these times can be because suffering and death will not last. And we need that good news now more than ever. Thomas and the disciples, they needed that good news as well on the very first day, the very first evening. So there's a certain hilarity to the fact that Thomas has been famously labeled throughout the years. We don't call him Thomas. We call him what? Doubting Thomas. Right. You ever wonder why, though? It's kind of unfortunate, really. That, that label continues to be used by people who think that someone else refuses to believe and to swallow hook, line, and sinker everything that they're being told, blind belief, so to speak. They're a doubting Thomas. But since when is it wrong to ask questions and to need a little bit more than what you're being fed or what you've heard? Speaking of, of blindness, by the way, if you want to Google an image right now, or if you saw my Facebook post yesterday, uh, you notice that uh, Caravaggio painting called The Incredulity of St. Thomas. I invite you to look that up. It's, it's a fascinating uh, painting. Caravaggio and Rembrandt did, did some things in their religious art that really are arresting uh, if you stay with it long enough, because what I want you to do is I want you to look at Thomas's finger in Jesus's side. It's kind of gross, I get it. But then look at his eyes in relationship to his finger. 
Caravaggio depicts Thomas as being blind. Thomas says, unless I see his hands and place my finger, I, I won't believe unless I see it. So Mr. Caravaggio might be on to something that seeing has very little to do with sight and a lot more to do with faith. And the other part in all of that is Jesus never gets mad at Thomas for making such a bold request, you know, unless I see it and feel it and experience it. My, Jesus doesn't get mad at Thomas. So it's hard for me to believe that doubt is a sin. If so, I might be in big trouble because I doubt. I have lots of questions and my own insecurities about a lot of things. And so I wonder if Thomas and Jesus give us permission in this text to wrestle with very difficult faith claims. And this need for a little bit more than what's being said. Maybe believing is not seeing and seeing is not believing. Maybe believing is believing. <laughs> because if we're being honest, it can actually take more faith and more courage to be as Thomas was by saying, I just don't know. I need more. I want to pursue a, a better understanding about resurrection, but I'm just not quite there yet. I think there's something very powerful that in our places of questioning and exploration and even doubt that Jesus Christ shows up. Thomas was so inquisitive. He was a seeker, really. You'll remember in John 14, Jesus goes on this, this teaching um, moment where he says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I'm going to prepare those for you, and I'll come back, and where I am, there you will be. And Thomas, inquisitive Thomas, speaks up and says what? He asks a question. Lord, how do we know where you're going? I don't have a GPS. How do I get there? Jesus makes a claim based on Thomas's question. I am the way and the truth and the life. Thomas is a seeker. You know, after his encounter with Jesus, church tradition tells us that Thomas made his way to India and began a strand of Christianity um, based on his courage and his witness in this ancient land. And even today, 2,000 years later, there's still pockets of Thomas Christians. Thomas the Brave. Thomas the doubter, Thomas the honest, authentic Thomas maybe. So many people are quick to point a finger at Thomas when all Thomas wanted to do was to point his fingers at the marks of Jesus' hands inside. I, I think Thomas is a breath of fresh air, honestly, because he's authentic. He's not scared to explore or to wrestle or to be vulnerable and say, I'm just not there yet. So part of the resurrection story, part of the, the Easter faith relies on an authenticity, a vulnerability to say we might not fully understand it, but we see it with the eyes of our hearts and we're willing to step forward in, in that direction. And the thing about Christian community that's in play in all of this, it's quite powerful in, in my mind that Thomas is not leaping for joy and blasting the trumpets. and It's not that kind of 
an Easter celebration, he's, he's obviously in a different place. And maybe it's because he knows that Easter was born from a place of, of pain. And he's not quite ready to blow that trumpet just yet and to put on his best seersucker tunic. I don't know. So when Jesus shows up through the locks and through the dead bolts of doubt and maybe even some closed doors of, of certitude, the disciples who thought they had it all figured out, it's striking to me that the very first thing Jesus says is peace. And he's not just saying that to people who understand resurrection, to the believers, if you will, to those who have it all figured out, all of their faith boxes, their theology all checked out and in order and in line, and their families are good and their jobs are good. And that's, Jesus doesn't say it just to them. He says it to everybody, even Thomas, doubting inquisitive Thomas. Peace be to you all. And that's a word of good news because in a world littered right now with so much uncertainty, we need more Thomas faith. We need peace. We need to breathe. Hear me when I say that the first words of Easter, we read the first ones last week and now the first day of Easter, the first things that Jesus says is do not be afraid and peace be to you. We needed that word of hope despite our doubt because we are loved despite our doubt. And despite our fear, we are loved. And despite trying our darndest to remain entombed by our labels, we are loved. And even despite our best efforts to put Jesus back on the cross and back in the tomb, to have him all safe and contained, despite all that, we are loved. And so with resurrection, things are beginning to move. Jesus, in my mind, is more present after resurrection than he is before resurrection. He's so elusive, he's always on the move. Everybody's trying to keep up with where he's going. The power of resurrection absolutely raise the body of Jesus Christ. We say it every single week in our creed, but the same power of resurrection raises the body of Christ, the church, to blast right through the doors of uncertainty and fear and callousness and doubt and all of the locked places in our communities that need a greater power to help them unlock them. And I think that's that's where there's a partnership. That resurrection means there's a partnership with God to redeem the world. Christ is the head of the, the church, head of the body, and we are the body of Christ. And so when we receive the peace and we inhale faith and exhale fear, we breathe as we were told to do, it signals at that moment we are sent out and it signals that it's time for the body of Christ to roll up its sleeves, to get itself in order and get to work. As St. Teresa said, Christ has no body but ours. I've often wondered, so much about this text has to do with hands. And I've often wondered if Thomas was sitting there just kind of fidgety, you know, getting a little restless with his hands. He wanted to see Jesus' hands, the hands that had done the work. And so I think there's a posture here of the kind of life we get to choose to lead 
every single day that, that Good Friday has hands locking doors, but Easter has come and now it's time to unlock some doors. That Good Friday is all about clenching power and control and being an Easter people is about releasing power and control to a power greater than ourselves. Resurrection is so reliant on all things being made new that when we say to Jesus, show me your hands and I'll believe, Jesus turns around and says, lend me your hand and we'll change the world together. Maybe that's why Thomas needed some hands to touch. Maybe there's a partnership, an expectation that Jesus, the head of the church, is telling the disciples, the body of the church, get in shape and let's go change the world. And what I'm going to need you to do, church, is to unlock fear, the fear of death, the fear of life, the fear of the other, the fear of something new, the fear of change, the fear of the unknown, because resurrection has overcome all of those locked doors. And we get to be the resurrected body too. Jesus comes to us, uh, the resurrected Jesus comes to us as you listen throughout uh, the remainder of Eastertide. It comes to us in our places of specific need. Mary was in her grief and she wanted to hold on to Jesus, but he says, I was not in that form anymore. I've not yet ascended. John needed to see the open tomb and that caused him to believe. Peter needed to go into the tomb and see the linens, and that helped him believe. Thomas needed a sign. He needed a little bit more proof. Give us a sign, Lord. You ever said that? I have. What do you need in order to believe? Do you know that the, the literal translation of Jesus' words to Thomas are this? Do not be unbelieving, but believing. It's a little different, right? Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And I wonder if our resurrected Christ is saying to Thomas, see and believe in my hands, but see and believe in your hands too, as if, like, lend me a hand. I want your help in sharing the good news of Easter and resurrection, because all things are possible when we unlock doors and help the world see what God is up to. So it takes a tremendous faith to climb out of tombs and to break the deadbolts of doubt in order to see the power of resurrection that is happening in the world. And that sounds like such an odd claim to make right now as we remain under this order to shelter in place. <laughs> Every one of us in this country are swimming in these waters of uncertainty. Do we reopen? Or not? If so, when and how? How long will this shelter order last? What's the timeline? I worry about, I pray desperately every single morning and every single evening for people who during this time of sheltering and distancing are struggling with anxiety and, and with depression and with addiction during these times of isolation and I want to know who's watching out for people struggling in those ways. My heart also goes out to our graduating seniors, some from college and others from, from high school and this strange experience. My heart goes out to the students who are learning from home with mom and dad. And my heart goes out 
to mom and dad. I see you too. Uh, algebra and chemistry are a lot harder than they were 25 years ago, just saying. So peace be with you too, right? I think about people on our hospital list who are wondering if we've forgotten about them because we can't check on them. Will our economy recover? Will businesses bounce back? Will people come back to church when this is all over? Each time I ask these questions, it's almost like I hear a key locking the door behind me in fear. Does this COVID crisis make you feel entombed or locked up? The good news is that Jesus Christ has overcome the dead. And if Jesus Christ can overcome death, he can overcome whatever entombs us or locks us down. So if you need proof about resurrection right now, what I would invite you to do is look for the worn hands of Jesus' body called the church. They will be the ones sewing masks for local hospitals and medical providers. Those hands will be the ones serving hot plates in neighborhoods. They will be frantically writing cards and making calls to our members, our shut-ins, those in the hospital. They're likely to be wearing plastic shields over their face, and they won't have on a cape, but they will be wearing scrubs, and they'll be in those suits and with those goggles for hours on end treating people who have COVID-19. They are the heroes in all of this, by the way. And if you want to see the body of Christ at work helping eradicate fear and doubt, then you might look for people who are sheltering in their homes to help flatten the curve. We get to take a leadership role in that way. The power of resurrection. But it begins with the words, do not be afraid. Peace be to you. In the same way that the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Don't forget to breathe and know that you are beloved. There were two men who waited in a park at the bus stop, and the younger one looked over at the older gentleman and it's sitting on the park bench, and he noticed that the man was staring at his hands, just turning them over, looking at them, doing like this. And so after a while, the younger man went over to the older man, and he said, hey, is everything okay? He said, why, yes. He said, I've just been sitting here, and I've realized lately that these hands are just about all that I have left in this world. And he said, but I want to challenge you to do something. I want you to stop and think for a moment about the hands that, that you have and how they've served you well throughout your years. Because these hands, although wrinkled, shriveled, and weak, have been the tools I've used all of my life to reach out and to grab and to embrace life. They braced and caught my fall when I was a toddler and I would crash on the floor. They put food in my mouth and clothes on my back. As a child, my mother taught me to fold them in prayer, they tied my shoes, pulled on my boots. They dried the tears of my children and caressed the love of my life. They held my rifle and wiped my tears when I went off to the war. They've been dirty, scraped, and raw, swollen, and bent. They were uneasy and clumsy when I tried to hold my newborn son. 
They were decorated with my wedding band and showed the world that I was married to the love of my life. They wrote the letters home and trembled and shook when I buried my parents and spouse and when I walked my daughter down the aisle. These hands were strong and sure when I dug my buddy out of the foxhole and I lifted a plow off my best friend's foot. They've held children and consoled neighbors and shook in fists of anger when I didn't understand. They've covered my face and combed my hair and washed and cleansed me. They've been sticky and wet, bent and broken, dried and raw. And to this day, when not much of anything else of me works real well, these hands, they hold me up, they lay me down, and they continue to fold in prayer. These hands are the mark of where I've been and the ruggedness of my life, and they tell my story. But more importantly, it will be these hands that God will reach out and take when he leads me home. And he won't care where these hands have been or what they have done. What he will care about is to whom these hands belong and how much he loves these hands. And with these hands, he will lift me to his side, and there I will use these hands to touch the face of Christ. So today, friends, as we think about Easter and the power of resurrection and Jesus reaching out his hand saying, let's do this together, I say, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Blessed are the hands which pray for their unbelieving to become believing. Blessed are the hands that share their abilities in the local community. Blessed are the hands that console. Blessed are the hands that prepare food for others to eat. Blessed are the hands that hold folders and direct choirs. Blessed are the hands that tremble and battle through hard diseases. Blessed are the hands play music and transport us, if only briefly, from this world of uncertainty. Blessed are the hands that care for their spouse in the waning moments. Blessed are the hands that are raised in praise to God. Blessed are the hands that protect and defend us every day. Blessed are the hands that speak for those who cannot. Blessed are the hands that were stretched open widely on a cross, nailed to that cross, and then opened widely for us on Easter to see the wideness of God's love. To that we should all say, my Lord and my God, thank you for your hands. Thank you for these hands. Thank you for our hands to make a difference for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.